When people think about minimalist footwear, they either think about going barefoot or they think about running. Sometimes they think about hiking, but they don't think about the many, many other things that people do when they need natural movement or they need to be in something that lets their body do what's natural. So we're going to find out about a, something you probably haven't thought of that you're going to be really interested in uh, on this week's episode or this week's this episode of the Movement Movement, the podcast for people who want to know the truth about what it takes to have a happy, healthy, strong body starting feet first. You know, those things that are your foundation, where we break down the propaganda, the mythology and often the just flat out lies that people have told you about what it takes to run or walk or hike or do yoga or CrossFit, whatever it is that you normally think of doing, uh, and to do that enjoyably and effectively. Did I mention enjoyably? It's a trick question. I know I did. Because look, if you're not having fun, do something different until you are, because if it's not fun, you're not going to want to keep it up anyway. So uh, we call this the movement movement because we are creating a movement that involves you, doesn't cost anything, really easy to do, about natural movement, letting your body do what it's made to do and be optimized as a result of doing that. And the way you can help is really easy. W, go to www.jointhemovementmovement.com. You don't need to do anything to join. That just is the domain that I got. But basically, you know the drill. It's like leave a review on the various places that you can find the podcast. Give us the thumbs up where that's relevant. Hit the like button where that's relevant. Um, if you're on YouTube, hit the bell so you can subscribe. In fact, that's the gist of it. If you want to be part of the tribe, please subscribe. We're looking forward to your help. Uh, by the way, I'm Stephen Sashin, co-founder and CEO of ZeroShoes.com. That's what's behind me. We're going to talk about that more later if we need to. But most importantly, um, we have a special guest. Can you say hello and tell people who you are and what you do? Okay. Hello, guys. This is Xin Yu. And well, I'm a Chinese guy, but now I'm currently in Spain, in Madrid, and playing the National League of Table Tennis here. Yeah, that's me. And uh, we're actually in the past week, I called the champion of Madrid. But oh, in the league, yeah, in the league. Yeah, in the first day of the league, I lost two match. <laughs> anyway, that's quite normal for us to lose and win Yeah. <laughs> well, um, so the secret that we're now letting out is um, table tennis. And no one would normally think about, well, people don't really know, especially in America, a whole lot about table tennis to begin with, let alone what it's like on the competitive scene and how important your feet are, because holy smokes, you guys are, has anyone calculated like how many miles you're actually moving during a match? Oh, well, that's a really tricky question. Well, it depends, you know, uh, as for me, I am a chopper, which means I am a defender. So it means that I have to move quite more than other guys who play aggressive style. I mean, they just play near the table. They do not need to move a lot. But for me, I have to move upward, backward, and uh, in such a way. So uh, to be honest, I don't know exactly the number or the amount of how many miles I move in a match, but definitely I move a lot more than others. Yeah. Well, you just said something that I, I mean, I know nothing about table tennis. So yeah. the fact that you just said that you're a chopper and a defender, can you talk about just mm. what that actually means? Like, let's give people a sense of, well, just say what that is and what the other options would be if you're not a defender, if you're not a chopper, um, so mm. that people can get a sense of just some of the ins and outs of table tennis that other people probably don't know as well. Okay, so to be honest, uh, I think most people are more familiar with tennis and uh, uh, it's quite similar, but as a defender or a chopper in table tennis, it means sometimes we have to live really far away from the table and make such kind of movement to push the ball 
and um, defendable. Um, so normally, if a player who plays mm, defensive style, sometimes he have to move back, and sometimes his opponent will move him and just send the ball to the short quarter of the table. So we have to move back and push the ball back. So um, the play style of us is to, you know, as defender. The ob- the object of us is not to kill the opponent by our techniques. It is to generate some mistakes of them, let <laughs> them make mistakes. Yeah, so um, that's our goal. So we let them attack and we just let them make more mistakes. So uh, we just move back, move forward, and try to make more mistakes for them. That's what we do normally. Yeah. And that's very interesting. It, it, it reminds me of um, how some people talk about certain martial arts where it's the same idea. It's, you know, you just yeah. want to wait until someone makes the error themselves. You want to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. you want to be in a strong position so, to allow them to make an error. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the idea. And so, so the, is there a name for somebody who has an, a more aggressive style or a more uh, offensive style rather than a defensive style? Are you mean the famous guys in the world? No, like, no, just like for a name for that kind of person. So if you're a defender chopper, what's who? What's the opposite of that, if there's an opposite of that? Normally, they just call them attacker or just like some, yeah, attacker. That's maybe better. That means they use loops or back drives. Yeah, they call drives in table tennis is such kind of a technique of the name. So I have a lot of fun when I learn language that I've never heard before. And I don't mean uh, Chinese. I mean, in this case, just the language of table tennis. So you referred to what you're doing is pushing the ball. Is that the term for basically just setting things up to give them that opportunity to be defensive rather than doing something? So looping, I'm imagining, is something with a lot of topspin or backspin. Am I yeah, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Even topspin and backspin. Great. Oh, I, what, was it, wait, what was the other term you just used for what an attacker would be doing other than looping? A drive. 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 drive means yeah. Drive means they will be more effect, more top spin, and more violent. Yeah, more uh, violent. I mean, the more violent the ball is, I mean it's more faster, and we have to move more backwards to defend it because there will not be enough space for us in the short court. We have to move backward to do the defense. That's um, kind of that's kind of difference between table tennis and the tennis. Tennis, you know, we hardly see people move really, really, really backwards. They right. just move in a specific area. But in the table tennis, we have to move quite far away from the table, and then we have to be res- reset and uh, prepare for the next next shot. Yeah. One of the things I went and watched table tennis at the Atlanta Olympics. And again, I knew nothing about it, but the thing that surprised me most was how hot it was in that uh, place where we were playing because they had to turn off anything that would create an air current um, that would affect the ball. And it got, it was, you know, really hot in there for a really long time. Yeah, it's quite normal among those players with really, really high level. I mean, among those top level players, it's not easier for anyone to uh, terminate or end the match in just one short or two shorts. Normally, there will be more rounds between them. That's quite enjoyable for us to watch them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But for, but but you know, but for them, it's quite suffering. You know, they have to um, prepare for many, many, many shorts, and definitely they would be exhausted after that. <laughs> so, do you do you only play singles or do you play doubles as well? 
I play both. I mean, in the leagues, normally um, we have to prepare for both. Um, normally, the regulation here is we play single. I mean, we have three players. Every time we three players, each of us will play two matches, two single matches. And if finally there is a tie, I mean, three to three, and then we have to play the final. The final will be a double one, a double, yeah, okay. double match. Yeah. But if there is a two, four, or five, one, or six, zero, though, the end is done. That's singles. Oh, that's really interesting. I didn't think of it as a team as a team thing. I always thought of just the individual. So that's interesting to hear. Uh, yeah, in Spain or in Europe, there is a league and a tournament. In the league, it's always like the team match, but in the tournament, it's just a single or doubles. Got it. Yeah. How long have you been playing? Well, let me think about it. Well, actually, the thing is that I first played table tennis when I was eight years old. But in China, it's quite late. So I can still remember that the first day, you know, the first day, you know, every house was quite excited because it's our first day to play tennis, uh, table tennis. But our coach told us that, hey, guys, unfortunately, I know every one of you have a dream of being an Olympic champion, but I have to sadly tell you that all of you are too late to practice or start table tennis now in China. Normally in China, the proper age to start playing this is four or five when it just when the kids are just able to stand up and sometimes they're even lower than a, than a table and they start to practice it. Wow. <laughs> well, so, I mean, I have played, I've been played for maybe 17 or 18 years now, but I cannot say I'm the top one, especially in China, but in Europe, it's just so, so I'm also not a very, very top one, but a decent player. <laughs> well, I assume there have been people who have proven that idea that you have to start at four or five wrong, that there are people who started much later who are Olympians. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Separate. Of course, of course. Well, I think that our coach is just one or two realize the reality and the not always so much illusion. Well, actually, at first, I was not agreeing with him. I just thought, what are talking about? I can make it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Was it something that was depressing or something that was motivating? Something like, well, I'll prove you wrong versus... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's quite, yeah. I think I, I, you know, my hunch is that uh, that's actually... I mean, I understand that the program might have started for four and five-year-olds, but I'm, my guess is that he said that to see who was going to get motivated and who was going to get upset. Because I do something like that um, at track meets. Like I'll go to a high school track meet if they have automated timing and they allow master's athletes, older athletes to participate. And I'll usually end up in like, you know, a, one of the slower heats with the high school kids and I'll beat many of them. And the thing that I will say is, you know, when I, at the end of the race, I'll say, Hey, you know, um, I'm older than your dad. And I do it to see which ones get upset. Like they want to beat me the next time versus the ones who get depressed and the ones who get upset, they're really fun to hang out with. And, yeah. and then we talk about what to do to get better and all the things that I did when I was their age and I was a gymnast. Um, and it's really fun, but the ones who get you know, demoralized, not, it's a different thing. <laughs> yeah. Quite interesting. <laughs> wow. So considering how much moving you're doing, and it's, a, it's both lateral and forward and backward, um, obviously what brings us here and what started our conversation was the importance of your feet and footwear. So I'm curious, before we even talk about footwear, how much, I mean, is there, especially in the Chinese system, do people 
pay attention to feet in a way. I mean, look, also set the stage for some people who've never been to China, that in China, there are foot massage and foot washing, which is another version of foot massage and reflexology. There's like everywhere. The importance of foot health is really, really well integrated into Chinese culture. Um, But I wonder, is there anything more and different that happens once you become a competitive table tennis player where clearly your feet are really important? Well, when it comes to this topic, being a table tennis player, um, the movement on the feet is sometimes, well, in most cases, is much, much more important than the movement in the in the hand. That is a huge difference between professional player and starters. I mean, for some beginners, they just stand there still and try to move their arms or um, move their body, but do not move a lot in, with their feet. But when our level become much more advanced, our coach begin let us to practice movement every day. We have different kinds of movement in our feet, and we have to um, practice it. I can remember that when I was young, I have been in a specific table tennis school. I mean, we trained like four to six hours every day, and there will be one hour for physical training, and it's especially for the foot moving. Hmm. I mean, besides the technical training, we have um, every day we have one hour for a movement with feet, every different kind of step to practice it and later use it in the match. So can you describe a little more about what you're doing during that portion of the training, what they're doing to teach you how to move properly? Oh, okay. Oh, well, but exactly, I do not know the exact name for that uh, in English. But basically, um, there are like two or three types, basic types of movements in table tennis. The first one is movement like in a um, vertical way or from left to right, like something like slide. Yeah, slide maybe a word to, to, to describe it. So there was an interesting practice or exercise for us is to, there will be two war in a room in this mm-hmm. large stadium and then we have to use this uh, movement from this side of the wall to the other to the other side of the wall and uh, maybe let's suppose 10 back and around for like a, like one round this is one round and then we have to maybe do 10 rounds 20 so rounds back, so back and forth 10 times yeah, 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 back and forth, yeah, back and forth 10 times. And, and I'm assuming that basically it's not just, you know, it's obviously not running. You're staying as if you're at a table, so you're staying parallel. You're basically just going sideways. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you're doing it 10 times. Are they timing you? Is it for speed? Is it for technique? Yeah, exactly. And uh, actually, we have to combine it with, with the movement, like in the, in the arms of the techniques. So actually, when the ball comes... The first thing is to uh, to make the movement or move at the right place and then prepare for uh, hitting the ball. And after hitting the ball, the most important thing is not to wait for the next ball, but to reset, to reset in a quite central place, not to right, not to left, in a central and proper place and wait for the ball and uh, make a... Make a prediction and like like um, where my opponent will probably um, re- receive back the ball and uh, move a little bit 
move a little bit in advance and prepare for the next one. So right. every time, um, so every time the movement with the feet is quite, quite, quite important, especially in some professional and high level matches. Yeah, if actually you watch the primary school students, if you watch their match, they hardly moving. They just stand there. And <laughs> boom, boom, boom. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and I mean, in a way, the way you're describing it, it makes me think of a soccer goalie where who's you know, especially getting like a penalty kick, where you have to simultaneously make a bit of a decision in advance, but yeah. somehow be able to adapt to that if you can, um, yeah. and. Yeah, I'm sure people are imagining what I am, which is someone hits a ball where it goes way wide. You have to mm. respond to that. And if you come back too far too fast, they can just go back in the same direction. You won't be able to uh, respond yeah. quickly enough or the exact opposite where they hit it so far on the other side that you can't get there in time. I mean, this is this is just it makes my brain explode just imagining how you do that. But I also imagine that as you get better, you can almost sort of see in advance that's just in the setup of how they're moving, where they might be hitting the ball in a way that people mm. who are not really expert in the game would never identify. They'd never notice that. Mm, yeah, I agree with you. But the football, well, like penalty, it's quite, quite much more faster. Yeah, it's quite True. faster. So the goalkeeper, if he makes the wrong prediction, he hardly had a second time to <laughs> make, yeah. up, make up for it, yeah. Uh, but for us, that advantage and another difference is the table is quite small. So sometimes even... <laughs> but, you know, it's small, but you get the right angle. You can really send people running. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, but I want to back up to the, this other thing because I'm thinking like last week I met an Olympic gymnast and I was an all-American gymnast when I was much younger. And we were talking about how when we're watching gymnastics on television with non-gymnasts, we're usually responding to a move before the move has happened. So someone's going to do a round off back handspring, double twisting, double backflip. And before the person has taken off, we're sometimes going, oh, because we know they're not going to make it because you can just see something that if you really know gymnastics, it's really obvious, but no one else can see it. And I can only imagine table tennis has that quality where when you, you know, and it's probably completely unconscious, but again, you start to mm -hmm. understand the movement happening almost before it even happens to allow you to figure out how to put yourself in the best position for defending. Of course. So that's why we have to train or exercise because sometimes there will be maybe just to very few seconds or very few like let's suppose well my coach tell me that we only have 0 0.5 seconds to make adjust if we make something wrong so i mean in most most occasion sometimes we just do it without or in an unconscious way we just hit it and after that we even sometimes don't know how we hit the ball back <laughs> we just, <laughs> we just uh, stay in the right place and just do it um, according to the memory of the muscle or memory of the feet so that's why we have to train a lot especially for the defenders it's because for us it's quite much more pass passive um, yeah in the passive way so um we are not like the attackers attackers when they the one the ball can there they are prepared and they just need to attack the ball back. right so for us it's more much more difficult so other than the movement training like the example of just you know back and forth yeah, is there anything else that they were doing that were particularly about um training foot strength for example or mobility or anything else you can think of Mm, of course, actually, we have to, as all of the 
all of the sports, we have to do some running or we can call、mm. it jogging. Well, running is, is much more specific, like 5,000 meters every day after the match. It's also a part of the physical training, like football, basketball. I suppose all the sports players they have to do it. It's kind of unnecessary part of all kinds of sports. Right. Um, so, well, to be honest, I do not like this, this part. <laughs> yeah, no, look, my fantasy, I'm, I'm remembering when I went to the Masters World Championships, many of the, the teams that weren't the US teams had brought physiotherapists with them. And so,、yeah. as soon as you're done running, you're on the table getting a massage or getting you know, some chiropractic adjustment or something. And especially when I've read about、um, professional sprinters even more, They're treated like thoroughbred horses. I mean, you know, it's like reading about Ben Johnson from when he was competing.、Uh, he'd get a big massage and then he'd go do a warm up. And then he'd get another massage and do the next warm up drill. And just like they were constantly just making sure everything was working properly. And so in my mind, I was having the fantasy that they treated you that well too. Well, actually, we do massage. Among us players, I mean, after the training, there is not a specific person or a team that who can do it for us. We just, we players, we do some massage or we do some stretch, relax our muscle and、uh, especially the feet, because otherwise, next day or by the way, we are weak. Yeah.、Uh, but actually, I mean, you just imagine that the massage of the feet is quite popular in China. I mean, actually, my parents are quite a huge fan about that. I mean, there is a, a specific city in China called Yangzhou. And here, it's the origin of this culture. Many people, they do it for like a kind of profession.、Mm. Uh, maybe they charge for $10 to $30 for pay time for once. Yeah. I have experienced once, and、uh, well, I actually <laughs> I'm really fond of it, and I hope that every day after the training, someone can do it for me. But it's quite too much expensive for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 a shame. I imagine,、uh, or I would hope that、um, if you were you know at the higher level, they would be paying for that for you.、Um, yeah. But yeah, it's one of my fantasies is someday to be getting massage, especially my feet, on a regular basis, like at least once a week, because、mm-hmm. it's, so, it's just so delightful. So, let's,、mm-hmm. so we moved into feet. Let's obviously chat shoes. And、mm-hmm. the screamingly obvious part is since you're doing so much back and forth, you need, obviously, you need footwear that does two things. One can handle the lateral motion. And more than two things, but two that I'm going to start with. One that can handle the lateral motion, and the other that's got enough grip and traction to allow you to change direction very quickly. And I don't know how much it needs to be able to handle sliding occasionally as well. But talk to me about the footwear that they, that either you started with or that you've started using maybe after you、mm, change the like, footwear. Let's chat、oh, for like. <laughs> footwear. Well, you mean what kind of shoes that are usually wear for match or for training, something like that? Yeah, I mean, and clearly part of what、um, inspired us to have this conversation is your understanding of something、mm-hmm. that is light, allows you to move, etc.,、um, lets you do what's natural. Clearly, getting some feedback from the ground is going to be important, even if you're on a flat surface. So, just、uh, you know, I'm just dying to hear what your thoughts are about. The footwear that you've been okay. Using, what makes it okay? Makes it actually,、bad? actually, I have prepared a, 
two pair of shoes that I use from when I was a kid and now. Do you want to see it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, the first one is um, like this. Okay. Uh, well, it's quite similar. Yeah, I have checked your website. I mean, I've found some some shoes that are quite quite similar. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is the kind of shoes that I use for daily walk, and I use it when I was a kid for training. And the characteristic is, you know, the how to say this part? I mean, the sole. Oh, yeah, the sole. It's quite. Not very thick. It's quite very thin, and uh, it's quite um, in a style of uh, minimalist. I mean, it's quite a, a simple way. Not like some kind of other shoes, like basketball shoes. I mean, the usually yeah. like, the soil is quite, quite, quite thick. And is there? Uh, well, well, we keep on that one for a second. A couple things. So hold this. Let me see the sole again. Yeah. So we can see there's. Um, just the the pattern on that on the ball of the foot and the heel are designed for some mm-hmm. traction, obviously. And can I, I'm curious, how flexible is that? Flexible. I mean, you, like, if you want to bow it like this, way. yeah. Well, I'm just curious, you know, like sort of where it bends, for example, or how. It oh yeah, it's the same, the same. Flexible that way. Okay. And the one thing <laughs> that I'm really curious about, hold it up again this way. Um, the other thing that's really interesting to me, because we make things, so that's got a slightly wider toe box than most shoes that, like most athletic shoes, are really pointy, like this one. So mm. it's a little wider. It's closer to a natural foot shape. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, when I was young, I I used to wear this, but the problem is that here is not so wide. So later, right. I change it in these shoes. I mean, this is much more. Uh, well, it's a little bit dirty, but <laughs> yeah, this is um quite normal among table tennis players and the badminton players. Um, it's quite similar that the sole is. Not very thick, it's in the same way, but a huge difference is that, that this width. part, it's become wider. Yes. So for us, uh, especially for intensive match, it's much more comfortable. Um, and also maybe like uh, a little more, little more flexible. This way. Yeah. yeah. Not, I mean, not flexible, but uh, it's okay. A little bit. <laughs> I mean, I would, I, would, um, I would argue, looking at that, that while it's gotten wider at the ball of the foot, it would still probably need to be wider along the toes as well, because it still looks like yeah. it squeezes your toes together a bit. Yeah, 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 I agree with that. I mean, actually, if I have matched for two or three days intensively, sometimes after the match, this part, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, the how to say the, the this toe? At least in America, they say the pinky toe. The pinky toe, yeah, I would feel, feel a little bit painful. Um, uh, the pinky toe, yeah, yeah, it's quite annoying. But um, actually, I have found um, that in the market, in this, in, in in the market, like all of the table tennis shoes are like in this wise. So I mean, perhaps they can make some uh, innovation, like make it wider. Well, yeah, that's from my personal say, experience. Suffice it to say, I'm going to get you a pair of our shoes, and I'm probably going to get you this one. We call this the 360. It's designed for lateral motion. It's definitely much wider across the ball of foot, but also wider in the toes as well. I don't know if it'll be right to play in. We'll find that out. It'll be very interesting if so. And if not, I'll be very curious to hear what your experience is about what we could do to make it better for table tennis. So I I think there's a possibility we could could help with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, such kind of shoes is quite... 
popular and it's like a standard one for almost 90% of table tennis players where you wear the that same shoe. style of shoes. Yeah. Like um, literally, this, literally this, that, like literally that shoe, that, that product from that company? Nike? No, me. This is a Japanese company called Meijin or something like that. Well, such kind of shoes, uh, I mean, some butterfly or Donic or some table tennis brands. Well, but I suppose they are not professional in making shoes. They are much more professional in designing like table tennis rubbers or rackets. But when it comes to shoes, it's not that professional. So huh. it's quite popular, but sometimes maybe not the best choices. Uh, well, actually, in the national team, uh, like in China, the Chinese national team, they have uh, some cooperation with Nike or not Nike or Lini, Lini or some shoes company that they design, they design specific shoes for every single player according to the size and their feet. Um, but I mean, normal people or ordinary people cannot have that privilege. Right. Right. So they do not, uh, like for us, we have to choose what there is in the supermarket, in the market, <laughs> and yeah, this yeah. one maybe. It's, so it's not the best, but it's okay, so yeah. No, it, I mean, uh, of course, uh, mentioning Li Ning is fun for me because when I was growing up as a gymnast, Li Ning was someone that I looked up to and admired because he was yeah, a few really. <laughs> he's a few years older than me, but, um, and watching what he was, how he was competing, he, he was one of my one of the people I really looked up to and enjoyed. I hope to meet him someday. Um, but <laughs> this is true. You know, this is true in for a lot of uh, footwear for professional athletes is they're getting something made for them. And then people think that when they're buying the shoe that looks the same, it's the same shoe, yeah. but it's a completely different product. So this is a pretty common phenomenon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. Um, if you, we use it maybe for daily walk, there will be not so much difference. But the difference is quite huge if we do some specific things intensively. Yeah, things. I mean, there, there are times where people have asked us to make um, some particular shoe for some specific use that I say, mm-hmm. I would love to do that, but there's only like five people in the world who actually need that. And we just can't afford to do that yet. At some point, I look forward to when we can support more people doing some of these more interesting and unusual things. But uh, we're, we're not quite there yet. So what else, um, I mean, what else can you say just about how the footwear impacts two things? One, how you're playing, what you've noticed, like when you switch from the first shoe you show to the second shoe, what do you actually notice is the difference, both in, again, the way you're playing and also just how your feet feel while you're playing or afterwards? Mm, well, when I grew a little bit um, bigger or when I, maybe when I was 18 or 19 years old, I started to realize that the first shoes was no longer suitable for me because um, every time there will no there will be no problem if I move back forward. But mm-hmm. every time if I move forward, like I have just said, the toe will be like every time it will um, make, there will be a touch like with the your, your surface of the shoe. Foot jamming into the front. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, every time I move from the back court to the um, to the short court to the near court, there will be a problem for me, and I feel it's quite 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 annoying. So I begin to find someone, I know some shoes that is quite quite wider. So um, after I choose these shoes, after I trying that, I find it's well, maybe it can solve eighty percent of the problem. I mean, when I move like 
uh, from backward to forward, there will be less problems, less, I will be less annoyed and can fix, fix more on the match itself. I will not be affected by, by the feeling of it. So that is the most impressive things that I can remember from this experience. But when it comes when it comes to from moving from right to left, from left to right, I think uh, how to say that word? The smallest smallest toes. Thinnest. How to say that? Thinnest, yeah. Um the part that has been influenced mostly is this tiniest tiniest toe. I mean from from left to right this part um, have to be stand for the most force and mm. um, sometimes if there is not enough wise, I will uh, feel maybe. So you need something that can, ha- that can handle the force of the lateral motion of basically of stopping and more importantly, mm-hmm. you're starting and stopping, but also wide enough so that you're not essentially falling off the shoe when you're starting mm-hmm. or stopping. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. And so, uh, and uh, it's funny, I was at a, uh, a rugby match a few months ago, which I'd never been to. And it was really fun. Um, and, uh, every player was wearing a different pair of shoes because they had the ones that they liked. And so they all did that. There was not, there was not like a team shoe or something. Um, is there a lot, are there a lot of different table tennis shoes or really just a couple that people are choosing from other than the ones that people are getting custom made? Oh, there is not so much customized shoes. It's quite, quite standard. I mean, because we do not have so much, so much op- options or choices that we can choose. Well, that's what that's what I'm curious about. Like, if you were going to go to yeah. a regular store to find a shoe for table tennis, how many options are there? Only we can choose the size and really the brand. Yeah. Wow. Well, I have to say, table tennis players they pay much more attention to the rubber they use, the yeah. racket they use, how to match them, which one is better. <laughs> But few people pay attention to what what shoes they wear. Or <laughs> huh. Yeah, so, I mean, especially the amateur or some, yeah, amateur players, they didn't realize the importance of it, so they don't pay much much attention to it. But one interesting is, I have noticed that in my club, everyone or not, I'm, I cannot say all of them, but maybe 80% of people, they just wear their own shoes or their shoes are not a typical table tennis brand like Butterfly or Donic or something like that. They just buy shoes from other professional professional products or professional brands that they are focused on making shoes. And they, you know, I mean, one time, once we just stay together and we talk about these things, they said that... Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine a time in America where if you walk into a store, they'll have a section for table tennis shoes, but I almost Mm -hmm. can't imagine that in China uh, for either (laughs) table tennis or badminton. So, but I I haven't seen that yet. So that's why I was curious. No, in China, it's not the case in China. It's like this. I mean, it's not, it has nothing to do with the country in both China, Spain, here. The same. I mean, we have little choice. Yeah. People associate table tennis with China, and China has always has been dominant for quite a while. What are the other countries that are just consistently producing good players? Germany. Germany. Oh, interesting. Yeah, Germany is the, almost one of the one of the countries that can replace China maybe in the future. Before, maybe I, maybe Japan is also a, um, a country with great potential, but I have to say. German, Germany is is like in the second place now. Maybe 
if when they China cannot dominate the world, dominating this area, I think it'll be Germany. Germany will be the one. Yeah. Do you know if their training program is similar, where you've got to start at three or four, et cetera? I mean, what is it that's making them so good? Is it a similar program or a different program? Do you know? I mean, the program is quite similar. Some they before the COVID, before that, there will be exchange of the training system of the program and that between these countries, between China, Japan, these Asian countries and European countries like um, Germ- Germany and France. Yeah, it's quite it's quite similar. I mean, there there is not so much difference. Before I was in China and now I'm in Spain, it's quite similar the the training program. But maybe in China, the difference is that there, there are more people. That are, there are more people yeah. who are found in it. Yeah. Here, yeah. people maybe are found in football or basketball. Well, there's some people who argue that most of the advances in most sports is because there's just a larger selection of people to choose from now than there was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. So it becomes somewhat self-selecting. You're just getting more people trying, sometimes more incentive, um, and um, put those two things together, and that's going to make a big difference. Yeah, well, the, the population of the selection is quite, quite an important issue. And let's take Chinese. For any example, there are only 8,000 8, registered players, football players in China. Oh, wow. So that's why, yeah, so that's why we got poor grade, poor performance in (laughs) (laughs) other sports where there's, there's many, many times 8,000 who are uh, playing in China, but clearly uh, football, soccer is not one of them. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, take uh, Japan as an example, our neighbor, there are times of outrageous players than us. So, so as we can see in the world cup, Japan these years they have made huge progress. Right. They sometimes can even be qualified in quarterfinal or quarterfinal, no, maybe ice final. Yeah. So is there a is there a an age where most table tennis players peak? Peak, um, maybe like all other sports, among their twenties to thirties in their golden age. Um, I mean in that kind. In such kind of ideas, um, they have accumulated sufficient experience in the match and their technique become mature and uh, they have also some, I mean, the, the condition of their body or maybe their, um, their, their well-being are in the best, best time in their whole life. So there are some ex- exceptions like team ball. Um, the German player who is still in his peak now, currently in German. Uh, I mean, he's 40 now. He's over 40 now. But uh, this is an exception. But for most yeah. players, get their highest highest grade or best grade in maybe when they're 23, 24, 25, or 28 at least. Yeah, 28. After 30s, they have trouble moving a lot, like football players. Well, table tennis players, um, maybe the situation is better. They can still move. But they depends more on the experience, on the spin, on some technique, on some strategy, not on the speed, on the on the strength. Yeah, right. That's quite different. I, this question just popped in my head. Is there an issue in table tennis with um, performance enhancing drugs, steroids, or stimulants in some way? To enhance the stimulants. Well, like I'm thinking, I'm thinking if you're going to take a performance enhancing drug for table tennis, it would most likely be some sort of stimulant. It's not necessarily about becoming bigger and stronger. It's about becoming. Yeah. 
you know, reflexively. Yeah, there is. There is. I mean, I can tell you an interesting story. That several years ago, there was a there was a fan, you know, a fan of my a table tennis that is quite popular in China, but he is not absolutely a professional player. He trained his stimulus with a pedal with a racket that's made by by metal. Normally, it is made by wood. Yeah. Okay. But he he made a, a pedal with maybe like iron or something like that so it's much 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 heavier and then he stick with the rubber and then he practice with it every day so after a year he um put it aside and he take his back he take back his wooden racket and you know his strength and his and all the thing is quite easy for her for for him That's and oh my god <laughs> the ball is just like quite super speed and all of his opponents, oh my God. <laughs> that's, so, that's funny because um, it reminded me when I, back when I was a gymnast, I broke my foot. And while my leg was in a cast, I thought, oh, I'll just do a lot of strength training because that way when I get out of the cast, I'll be even stronger. But when I got out of the cast, everything was so unbalanced that I couldn't do anything. Yeah. So um, I was thinking of like if you train with a heavier, a heavier paddle, heavier racket, that um, it may be that um, it throws your timing off so badly instead of just. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. But for us, I mean, uh, like semi-professional, professional, we have um, like part of we have to um, do some weight lifting, weight lifting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there are various kinds of exercise, of, um, but always over that um, weight lifting, but sometimes we use smaller one to do some movements like this, not right. like them just to move upwards. We do right. some movement with that and uh, it's kind of, um, it's kind of effective way to improve the uh, stimulus or some stress. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Um, is there anything else you can think of? I want to wrap this up. Is there anything else you can think of that you would want to share just about um, either table tennis in general or, um, whatever you've discovered about feet and footwear, since that's part of what we talk about here. Anything else that we left out? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I have to say that when it comes to the minimalist of shoes, there's quite uh, popular shoes before in China that every that is mostly welcomed by men. It's kind of black, um, black, black, black shoes, but the sole is made of cloth, not of ah. rubber or weather or something like that it's made of clothes so before maybe in 60s 70s or 80s old people love to wear it because it's much more comfortable and it's soft but actually uh, after several years there are some so-called experts and then they say that it's not good for the feet because it's too much too much soft and it cannot give enough support for the feet so maybe sometimes um, people will suffer from pain after wearing it or working it for a long time. Well, personally, I haven't confirmed that. So I just want to confirm with you. Um, is this right or do you agree with that? You're totally wrong. I mean, all I can say is that we have now many hundreds of thousands of people who have proven that having something really thin, really flexible, really lightweight has been better for them. And anything that mm -hmm. our position is anything that gets in the way of letting your feet do what's natural is going to be problematic. And we see that over and over. I like to say that with zero shoes, we're not doing anything other than getting out of the way. And typically the things that people have said when they suggest anything otherwise is because they have some ability to make money by suggesting something else. 
because oh, yeah. you know, um, I just haven't seen any evidence. It's a funny thing when I'm doing, when I'm debating people who make traditional footwear, um, I don't have to say anything positive about what we're doing. Most of the time, all I have to say is, where's your proof? And so I highlight how in the 60s and 70s, people were doing all sorts of sports in very thin, lighter weight, flexible shoes, usually a little too narrow, but otherwise very similar to what we're doing. And I mm-hmm. point out that there weren't the number of injuries or the type of injuries or severity of injuries uh, that we see now since the advent of, you know, the modern athletic shoe that looks like this with a big flared sole and a big, uh-huh. and a lot of cushioning and padding and elevated heel, et cetera. And um, uh, it's hard for them to argue because they know that it's true. Or I say, the other point is similarly, um, I was having this argument with somebody on YouTube who's a footwear designer in Europe, and he was saying these big companies have spend millions of dollars on research and development every year. I said, then why haven't injury rates changed in the last 50 years? Injury rates are pretty consistent among runners, for example, in the last 50 years. If their research and development departments were so good, we'd see improvements, and that's just not yeah. happening. So um, uh, it's just okay. a lot of people telling stories that are not true. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, t- to be honest, there are so many such kind of programs currently yeah. um, that they advocate some kind of so-called healthy life- lifestyle, but actually it's misleading people. So, yeah, 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 yeah. But many people, especially like my parents, they are quite easily affected by such of such kind of programs. Yeah. yeah, maybe some one day a so-called expert say this is good for your feet, and uh, well, sometimes um, even he him himself ha- hasn't confirmed that or proved that. Right, and maybe my mother will <laughs> um, be confirmed for by 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 him. Yes. Yeah, so no, we've we've had we've say. had so many people who were told that they couldn't wear our shoes because it would harm them, and then they decide mm. to try it anyway because they like the the idea of letting your feet do what's natural makes sense, and then they find find that there's that they're feeling better as a result and then they report that back to their doctor or whomever told them and the doctor will still say yeah that's not true it's like but mm-hmm. i'm telling you here's my experience so yeah. and part of it is that the story from the big shoe companies has been going on like this for 50 years so it's you know taken enough time that everyone believes it now we have to do something different to get them out of that so um anyway um i've got to actually wrap this up this has been a real pleasure i love when i learn about things that i know very very little about and you gave me a great introduction to table tennis and uh what's involved in playing both you know mentally physically i was super excited i actually want to dive in more and and learn much more um that doesn't mean i'm going to go play because i got i I don't have enough time but i love the idea of doing that too so um if people want to get in touch with you especially if they want to learn more about table tennis can you tell me how they can get in touch with you Oh, okay. The I have a personal website, and the URL is www. p p o n g super s u p e r dot com. Yeah, that's my personal website, yeah. and there is a yeah ping pong super, but not the ping pong super yeah. web. Um, there is a contact form. Yeah, there is a contact form, and my personal email on on that website, and uh, people can just leave a message to me. Yeah, awesome. And, uh, I hope this has inspired people to um, to go to ppongsuper.com to find out more about playing table tennis, um, if, especially anyone who's already been playing who wants to 
now improve their game and improve their health when they're playing. That'd be really, really fun. So um, this has been a total, total pleasure. I really appreciate your being here. And just for everyone else, I hope you enjoyed that as well. And just a reminder, go back to www.jointhemovementmovement.com to find previous episodes and all the ways you can interact with us on social media, et cetera. And if you have any questions or recommendations, people you think should be on the show, you can drop me an email. I'm at move, M-O-V-E, at jointhemovementmovement.com. And most importantly, until then, until the next episode, go out, have fun, and live life feet first.